you know, my heart is just so, so filled with joy knowing that the Holy Spirit is making his face shine on us. He really is just bringing such joy. I was sitting outside, um, I shared this briefly on Friday night, I was just sitting outside the other day and We've had, a, we've had a very busy couple of weeks. Tom's father passed away a couple of weeks ago, and then we had the funeral uh, this week, I think. And um, so then there was a lot of catching up to do, phone calls, and, you know, my life is very busy. Uh, from the moment I wake up, turn my phone on, there's emails. We, we've got churches in the U.S. as well, and, and um, so much going on that there's emails and messages that come from the moment I wake up to the moment I turn it off at the end of the night. And very often by the end of the night, I haven't got to all the messages. And I worry sometimes, oh, I'm, I, haven't, I haven't responded to this one and that one. And, and if I'm not careful, I can get a little bit overwhelmed with all the stuff and the things that have to be done and the, the people that have to be seen and the things that have to be responded to. But, you know, whenever I start to feel a little bit overwhelmed or feel like, oh, I think I just need a holiday, I remember, you know, that's because I'm not taking the time to have the holiday with Jesus that he wants me to have every day. You see, his burden is easy and his yoke is light. And if we... If we um, if you're finding yourself heavy burdened and weighed down, it's not that God is saying you, you need to do less. Maybe you do. But more often, it's simply that you are not utilizing the grace and the strength that God wants to give you. He wants to make you lie down in green pastures and restore your soul. He says, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary and walk and not faint. And, you know, I've got to have, I, I do a lot of asking. I, I, I do um, really try to apply that uh, scripture in Philippians 4, be anxious about nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God and the peace of God will guide your heart and mind. So I, I do make a lot of requests to God and I talk to him about things and I've learned rather than worrying about things, I need to just lift it up and ask Jesus about it. But I, um, I, I've got to have time alone with God. Just, I love what Pastor Gareth shared just at the beginning of the service. You know, God really needs us to draw aside every day and drink of his, the atmosphere of heaven. He never leaves us or forsakes us. We fellowship with him 24-7. But, you know, when we, God wants us to get still with him. Every day. I need it more than I need food and sleep. And I'm a real fan of food and sleep. Like anybody who knows me knows these are big priorities in my life. But even bigger than that, I must, I must stop and be alone with God. And sometimes I have to almost be rude to do it. Um, Our house is busy. Uh, Tom's finished console too so there's people coming and going and things go on and and um we we get we get very busy but i i love to take time in the mornings and i like to take time in the afternoons too when i can i mean to be honest if you could have three meals a day and snacks when it comes to jesus i i i do but um 
I, I love to go walking with God at the end of the day, just as the sun's going down. And he and I, we love to, we've got this thing, you know, the birds will often fly when I'm, when I'm walking. And I really love it when I can hear a whole flock of them fly overhead and I hear the whoosh, whoosh, whoosh of their wings. It's like, oh, you love me, God. He just knows. He gets me, you know. Anyway, I was, I was out uh, walking the other night in the middle of, of busyness and I was just talking to him and I, I mentioned to him, I really love it when that happens, God, and, and, and just talking with him. And as I was walking, um, I got a call from the house, hey, someone's here to see you, they need to talk to you. And so I came in and I talked to them. And then by the time I'd finished, I got outside and it was dark. But I thought, I'm, I don't care, I just need some more Jesus time. And I sat on the back stairs and just began to talk to the Lord. And as I did, just all of a sudden, out of, out of the blue, it, it's, not, it's not normal at that time of night, a great big block, flock of white birds flew right over my head and I could hear the whoosh, whoosh, whoosh of their wings. And then the other day I was sitting on the, sitting on the, uh, on the back deck. I was sitting in my rocking chair, my Emily, my 16-year-old. She bought it for me for Mother's Day last year, these two white rocking chairs. And for her, I mean, that was such a special gift to me because she gets this little bit of pocket money every week. And it was such an extravagant gift, a love gift. And I was sitting in this chair, rocking chair, and just thinking about this love gift that I'm sitting in. And then thinking about the love gifts all around me that God has given us, you know, these beautiful days or the, or the starry nights or, or whatever it might be. I, I look at it and, and God began to just speak to me about the love gifts that he's giving us all the time, communicating to us through all of creation, speaking to us, trying to tell us, oh, how I love you. And as I sat there, um, someone came and one of the things that I'd been praying about suddenly was resolved. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, Catherine, I just am waiting for you to get still so I can bring you some of the answers. And you know, sometimes you can get busy with the asking and the asking and please don't stop. It's a biblical principle. You need to ask. But he also wants to get still, wants you to get still so he can give you the answers. Uh, Often when I go uh, just get outside and walk with him or talk with him, I get inspired with all these ideas. And in the natural, you'd think, I'm already doing enough. But I come out, I come back all inspired because God has plans that are exceedingly abundantly above anything I could have conjured up in my own imagination. He comes and he drops it in and there's a joy and a grace that comes to do even more. And, and there is a balance, a holy balance that comes when you put first the kingdom of God. We don't become unfruitful or lazy. We're not called to, to uh, withdraw like monks in the wilderness and, and, and separate ourselves from everybody for the rest of our lives. God wants us to be bright shining lights in the darkness. Amen? But he doesn't ask us to do it in our own strength. And he doesn't want anybody burning out. doesn't want anybody getting overburdened or tired. He says, I want to refresh your soul. I want to, I want to come and I want to undo the knots. I want to speak to you. I want to give you the answers that you seek. And, you know, when we put him first, he says, all these things will be added. So often we're, we're asking, 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 asking. And, and it's not until we just stop that God speaks and you realize, oh, 
Oh, that's great, God. Now I understand. Or he, you know, as we, as we trust him, you know, he is so faithful. You put him first, he will always, always come through. He's so good. So I just want to encourage you. That's not what I'm sharing on tonight, but I really just want to just encourage you to drink in the love gifts of Jesus. You know, he tells us every day that we enter his gates with thanksgiving in our hearts. There's such a pleasure that comes when we are deliberate to give thanks to God, to stop and to enjoy his presence, just to enjoy his company and allow him to minister life to us. For he is the source of our life. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we just take a moment just to lift our eyes to you. You are our joy. You are our strength. And Father, we worship you. Oh, Father, the lines have fallen to us in pleasant places. And Lord, we say thank you. Thank you for this beautiful country. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful church family. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Lord, Thank you for your mercies, Lord, that are new every morning. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness, for your love for us. God, thank you for your lavish love, your wonderful, abundant grace. God, we give you thanks. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'm happy. Hallelujah. You know, you can be happy too. He wants to encourage you. He wants to strengthen you. I want to read to you... um, something lovely from the Bible. Highly encourage you to read this book. Delicious. God says, you know, if you've ever uh, prayed the Lord's Prayer, he says, give us this day our daily bread. He says, come on, ask for it because I've got something I want to give you. It's not just our daily provision physically, though he wants to provide for us physically. He also wants to feed you with the bread of life. He's got words. He's got rhema word for you every day. He does. And many times we, we, we miss out on the love gift of Jesus that he wants to bring to us through the word of God. We often sit in the mornings as a family. We'll go around the table and just let everybody just pick a scripture randomly from wherever, asking the Holy Spirit to lead us and just to to be able to taste and feast on the Word of God. I really believe that it's so important that the Word of God becomes a, a major part of our family life, that we are continuously feasting on the Word of God. And even in our, in our culture, I'm unashamed in, in any situation to pull it out. I've got it on my, on my Bible. I've got it in my iPad. And, and just like, let's just read something. Because I want to see a family that is built on a love for the Word of God. You know, it's, it's not about legalism, but it's about understanding. The Word of God is a light to our feet, a lamp to our path. Hallelujah. And um, so I'm reading here from Psalm 118. I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation, which you all know I love, though it, it's good in, in nearly all the English translations. Um, I'm going to read here from verse 4. It says, Let all his lovers who bow low before him sing. His constant tender love lasts forever. Actually, I'll just read it from the beginning because it's lovely. Keep on giving your thanks to God, for he is so good. His constant tender love lasts forever. 
Let all his princely people sing. His constant tender love lasts forever. Let all his holy priests sing. His constant tender love lasts forever. This is actually something you're supposed to engage in. I'll do, I'll do it again. You ready? Keep on giving your thanks to God for he is so good. His constant tender love lasts forever. Let all his holy priests sing. His constant tender love lasts forever. (laughs) Hallelujah. Let all his lovers who bow low before him sing. His constant tender love lasts forever. Hooray. Well done. It finishes there. Though I wouldn't mind if throughout the rest of the evening, every time you turn to somebody, his constant tender love lasts forever. (laughs) Out of my deep anguish and pain, I prayed, and God, you helped me as a father. You came to my rescue and broke open the way into a beautiful and broad place. Now I know, Lord, that you are for me. And I will never fear what man can do to me. You know, throughout scripture, we we hear this. Even in Romans 8, he says again, If God be for you, who can be against you? I used to struggle a little bit, though, with that, uh, particularly the one in Romans 8, because I'd, I'd think, if God be for me. And I'd be thinking, well... Yes, that's true. If God be for me, then who could be against me? But I don't know that he's always for me. And then if you start thinking that, then you can think, well, you know, what would be the possible conditions that he might not be for me? And I'd think to myself, well, you know, he resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And maybe something I said or did might have been proud. So maybe he's not for me today because I did this. Or Has anyone else ever struggled with this? But it's actually a rhetorical question. God's saying in, in Romans 8 there, he's, he's saying that if, if God w- was not willing to withhold his son, if he was so loving you that he came and he gave his whole life for you, then of course he's for you. If this be the case, then who can be against you? You see, the truth is that when you are one who receives the Lord Jesus as your savior, when you humble yourself and receive grace, God says, I am for you. My constant and my tender love lasts forever. My mercies are new every morning. And pride says, I don't need grace. I don't need the help of God. I'm going to do it my way. I did it my way. My life's a musical. I have a song for everything. But the reality is, Those that receive grace are those that have humbled themselves to say, I really need your help. And even if you've had a proud thought, if your heart position is, I need help, I need your grace, then God says, he gives grace. It's just, if you are positioned in that place that, I need help, God, I need help. He says, I give grace. And he is for you. He is so for you that his heart is to take you out of misery and anguish and pain. When you come to him in your turmoil and your frustration and your hurt, he says, and I I want to set you in a beautiful and broad place.
He wants to take our, our misery. He wants to take our ashes and he wants to give us beauty. He wants to give us the oil of joy for mourning. Whatever situation you're in, he says, come and bring it to me. And I want to instead bring you into a beautiful and broad place. This beautiful God who understands and knows us so wonderfully well, utterly gets us. He wants to take whatever you're walking through and make it work together for your good. For God makes all things, all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That is unequivocal. That's the, that's the deal. You come to him and you bring him ashes. You bring him mess. He says, I'm going to give you beauty. You, you come and you bring him anguish and pain. He says, I'm going to give you peace and I'm going to set you in a broad and beautiful place. Hallelujah. And, you know, the wonderful thing is that there is no exception to God's desire to cause things to work together for your good. He promises us. He says even in Isaiah 61, and you can have a look there if you like in the Amplified. We can read it, read it together. He speaks to the Israelites. Hallelujah. And, and they've, brought all, they've brought this trouble on themselves. They've, um, they've got themselves into some big messes. And the Holy One speaks to them like this. Have a look there in Isaiah 61. He says in verse 7, Instead of your former shame, you shall have a twofold recompense. Instead of dishonor and reproach, your people shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double what they'd forfeited. Everlasting joy shall be there. For I, the Lord, love justice. Do you know what his justice looks like? His justice isn't giving you what you deserve. His justice, his wonderful justice is to give you what Jesus deserves. Because Jesus took what you deserve so that you could get what he deserves. That's, that's happy. And that's the Bible. He says that whatever you forfeited... Whatever shame, pain, or disgrace you've forfeited, whatever mess you have found yourself in, whether you caused it or not, he says, I love justice, so I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to make this work together for your good. I'm going to cause you to come into a beautiful and broad place. I'm going to give you beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. I'm going to give you double recompense for your former shame, pain, and disgrace. And the great good news of God is that you don't have to waste a single thing that happens. You know, I've got um, I a few people on the internet that have written nasty blogs. Don't go looking them up. So I don't want them to have any, any more hits. But, but the reality is... When we first, when someone first put something ugly up about us up there, and I'm, I'm so grateful for my husband. He wouldn't let me watch it. I watched about 20 seconds and he stopped it. He goes, I'm not allowed to watch that. And uh, 
He knows, he knows I'm too sensitive. I'd be wrestling with it all night. And, and it, this guy had never met me, still has never met me. I've probably never heard me minister. But he, he decided to write a, a message of love to all of Catherine Ranala's followers. And it wasn't actually a message of love. And um, so instead, the Holy Spirit reminded me about this scripture. And he said, remember, I want you to sow your pain. Whatever pain, shame, or disgrace comes your way, God wants to take it, and he wants to make a miracle out of a mess. He wants to give you double recompense. He wants to make it a beautiful and a broad place. So I went, okay, Jesus, this is not cool. This is, feels like shame, pain, and disgrace. So I'm going to sow it. I'm going to take this pain, I'm going to sow it, and I'm going to say thank you, Lord, for double favor on the internet. <laughs> i tell you what, it's true. Now they actually want to advertise, pay us to advertise on our YouTube sites because, so, <laughs> because of, of the favor that we have. And it's extraordinary. God has opened doors into so many nations because of what's happening on YouTube and the things that God's doing. There is nothing that the enemy can do against you that God won't use for your good. There's nothing, nothing that he can do that won't work in your favor if by faith you receive the gift that he wants to give you. He wants to give you the gift of his justice. Hallelujah. His wonderful justice, which is to give you double for your trouble. Hallelujah. He wants to come and he wants to make things that, that look like, oh God, how can this ever work out for good? Why would you let this happen? He says, it's not the end of the story yet. He says, sing, O barren, you have not born. Hallelujah. If you will come, if you, we have, you have a choice. You can either get discouraged and despair or you can get alone with God let him come and undo the knots and then remind you. He says, you don't have to be worried about this. I'm going to make this work together for your good. We had somebody that um, at one stage was really cranky with us. And they were trying everything to try and, and upset us and to, to damage us and hurt our reputation. Um, they wrote to every pastor that we knew around the globe and, and tried to badmouth us. And so we sowed it, we sowed the pain, and instead my ministry that year actually increased four times. And the people who got the emails said, wow, something must be really happening with your ministry. Why don't you come and minister for us? <laughs> they, tried, they threatened, they threatened um, to write to the embassy to get Tom into some sort of trouble. That year the embassy came and decided to give Tom... Uh, a knighthood. He's the youngest Finn ever to be knighted in Australia. <laughs> it's so cool. And so now when stuff happens, I think, okay, so that's happening in that area. So 
that's an area I'm going to sow. Woohoo, I take that. I don't, want to, I don't want to miss it. I want, I want to be very intentional about recognizing every drop of pain, every drop of shame, every embarrassment, every hurt, every rejection. I want to take every drop of it and sow it <laughs> deliberately. Because if I don't sow it deliberately, I won't recognize it deliberately. And I won't be able to get the joy of re- remembering and recognizing Whoa, Jesus, you're awesome. I love your justice too. (laughs) You see, God doesn't want us just to blindly walk through life. He wants us to be able to give thanks in everything. So in order to do that, you've got to begin to get involved with the process. Remember, oh, yes, Jesus, I'm going to deliberately sow that in faith with an excitement and anticipation. I'm going to be looking for it. I'm going to be, instead of just saying, oh, that was a nice thing that happened, I'm going to remember, ha I know why that happened. God delights to give double recompense. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. He is, he is so very faithful. Magnificent Jesus. Now I know, Lord, that you are for me, and I'll never fear what man can do to me. The perfect love of God casts out fear. You know, so many people live with a sense of dread. Even when things are going well, they can, they can have a sense of dread of like, oh, what bad thing is going to happen now? And instead, God, God wants to sow lavish love on you that his perfect love drives out the very deepest uh, joy sapping dread that could ever lurk in the pit of your heart he wants to so come and wash your soul with his truth and with his light that you actually enter into absolute joy Joy that's not just partially filled, but joy that's filled to overflowing (laughs) with a delight that is fearless. You see, absolute joy is fearless. It's not fearing the future. It's not dreading what's going to happen. It's joyfully anticipating. What's going to happen next? God is for me. He is is for me. And will you think, well, he is surely not for my sin. Or No, he's not. But he's so for you that if you are stubbornly refusing to listen to him, trying to lead you out of, of something that's going to rob from you or steal joy from your life, if you're, if you're living in deception, he loves you so much. He's so for you. He's going to send people to talk to you. He's going to do everything he can to get your attention to say, hey, 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 this is like way lower than the bliss that I have for you. This is way lower than you were created for. This is actually not going to lead you into the fullness of joy and the, the delight that I have for you, the good works that I've laid up for you. And he's so gracious. He is unrelenting in coming after us. And, you know, who knows? It's a good idea to listen the first time because he's a good father (laughs) and he loves us too much to let us get too far off track. He does bring correction, but you know, his correction's not to be feared. It's it's to be enjoyed. (gasps) Thank you, God. It's because you love me so much that you don't want me to miss 
anything that you want to do through my life. Hallelujah. His wonderful joy is to bring us into a place where we are daily living with joy and hope and expectation, truly believing God is for me. Who can be against me? Hallelujah. Many people even struggle to be able to say that out loud. God is for me because their hearts condemn them. And they think, oh, well, you know, I'm really not there yet, you know. And there in their mind is behaving perfectly. Yeah. Oh, so, you know, I, you know, I get that he's for those that are righteous and really good, but I don't know that I'm there yet. Well, the Bible says it's by grace you are saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. If you are there, you're probably... Um, if you're thinking yourself, I'm so there, you're probably boasting about things that you haven't got because the, the Lord says there is simply being crucified with him and, and acknowledging that the righteous one lives on the inside of me. That my righteousness is not a, as a result of my works and my, my uh, efforts, but my righteousness comes from faith in the great grace of my God who has said that it's no longer I who live. I was crucified with Christ. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Therefore, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And he says, if your heart condemns you, He's greater than your heart. So even if your heart feels like, oh, I don't know that I'm, I'm, I don't feel like I'm really as righteous and wonderful as, as Joel Shaw or Chris Turner. If you, start, if you start thinking like that, you're actually living outside of grace. You're actually believing a different gospel because the Bible says that you now are as he is in this world. And it's only your faith in that amazing, ridiculously glorious truth that allows you to walk without condemnation, without fear. The Holy Spirit wants to convict you of his righteousness. He's consistently trying to tell you, hey, you, beautiful. Hey, you, pure. Hey, you, how beautiful you are to me. I rejoice over you. I sing over you. I twirl with delight over you. Oh, but God, you know, I haven't really spent very much time with you. And oh, God, you know, I mean, oh, I've been like this. I've never done this. And he looks at you and says, hey, you are altogether lovely. Because he looks and he sees the righteousness of Christ in us. Hallelujah. And the more that we believe it, the more that we enter into this incredible inheritance that we have, this, this new nature that we've been given begins to be exhibited because we believe it. Hallelujah. The Bible says it's the goodness and kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Some people worry about that sort of teaching. They think, well, you know, if you don't point out sin in people's lives, you know, how are they going to be seeing it? Well, you know, I believe that as, as brothers and sisters, if you see a brother caught in a sin, it's important that you get alongside them and you help them. But like I shared last week, Jesus Christ was known as the friend of sinners. 
he when he was out out uh, ministering on the streets he wasn't out there looking at sinners looking at people who weren't in the kingdom and saying oh you need to sort this out you need to fix this i know what you're doing you need to sort this out because if he was people would be running a mile from him but that one of the biggest criticisms that he received from the religious was that he's a friend of sinners because sinners felt safe with him Sinners knew that if they'd come to him, they wouldn't receive a lecture. They'd receive love. They'd receive acceptance. That, that like the woman uh, caught in adultery, uh, was thrown at the feet of Jesus. He looked at her and he loved her. He said, neither do I condemn you. He gave her power to go and sin no more. And it's this goodness and kindness of God that empowers us, hallelujah, to, to exhibit and live the righteousness of God. You see, and he hasn't changed. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. When you get alone with God, he's not out there to, to you know, point out all the things you're doing wrong. He's out there to point out all the righteousness that he's given you that you might recognize, yes, this is who I am. This is how I'm called to live. Hallelujah. You know, I believe that the Holy Spirit is really wanting us to, to so grasp a hold of this nature of God that wants to cause all things to work together for our good, of this God that is for us, so that when we minister to others, we minister to them from the perspective that God is for you. He's for you. He was for you before you were ever born. While we were yet sinners, he gave himself for us. He was for you before you ever even thought about him. He, he is for you. And if we go out and, and if, if we were to go out and say to people, well, you know, you need to stop living with this person. You need to stop doing this. You need to stop doing that. You need, people will, will, will turn and run. I, I've, I've done that. When I was a teenager, I was always trying to Christianize people, tell people to, you know, you need to stop doing this, and you need to do this, and you need to do that. And surprisingly, it was not tremendously attractive. Not a lot of people said, oh, I want to come to your church. But when you get out and you start exhibiting what you really believe about God, that, hey, he is so for you. God is so for you. He, he loves you. He looks at you. He's got great plans for you. That if you realize that he's actually not concerned about their sin because he's dealt with it already. But he is concerned about relationship with them. He knows that as they experience the goodness and kindness of God, it will lead them to repentance, which is to turn and change their thinking and go, whoa, this is who I'm called to be. And in coming into his family, we, we obtain an identity that is as he is. The righteous robes of God get put on our lives. We are transformed from the inside out. Hallelujah. And we reflect what we are beholding. If you are, through deception, beholding a God that's always cranky, that's always wanting to point his finger, always wanting to sort you out, then you are going to get out and try and be reflecting that to other people. Sort them out. We're going to sort you out. We're going to sort you out. 
But God wants to so make his face shine on you. He wants you to remember, I am for you. I am for you. I am for you. Who can be against you? I am for you. So that when you minister to others, you you reflect what you truly believe. He is for you. He's for me and he's for you. Amen. I believe that the Spirit of God is wanting to to just lift people up into a place of great joy and a great hope today. That whatever might be coming against you, whatever you might be going through, God wants you to get excited. Because He wants to give beauty for those ashes. He wants to give double for your trouble. Amen. He wants to explain it to you in tangible, practical terms. I want to show myself to you by demonstrating to you that I make all things work together for your good. There is, there is no joy in hopelessness, but those who hope in him will not be disappointed. The word of God tells us his hope is, is such that he wants to, to remind you. I want you to identify whatever is causing you pain, whatever is, is going on, whatever you might be uh, facing, whatever persecutions might be happening, whatever situation might be going on. God wants you to deliberately take it and sow it and say, Father, thank you. I know that you are for me. Who can be against me? I know that you want to make all things work together for my good. I believe that instead of feeling isolated and alone and rejected, you are bringing me into a beautiful and a broad place. That instead of uh, looking at myself as a victim, you want, to, you want to help me see, oh God, that I am supremely blessed. Hallelujah. That I can say the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Even if you haven't yet seen the breakthrough that you're longing for, God wants you to recognize and sing and rejoice. Woohoo! My hope is in you. I thank you, God, that you are making this work together for my good. For you promised, you said that if you are for me, who can be against me? Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's for me. Turn to the neighbor on the other side and say, God's on my side. I used to struggle with that one. Oh, I can't say God's on my side. But actually the Bible says, we just read it, God is on my side. Psalm 118, God is on my side. He's on your side. He's for you. He's not for you yesterday and maybe in a few days' time. Right now, he is on your side. If God's on my side, happy me. Because who can be against me. Hallelujah. I feel sorry for those that come against me because it's like, obviously you can't see. He's right here. (laughs) Wonderful Jesus. Thank you that you are on our side. Father, I ask, Lord, that anyone that would struggle with that concept, Lord, that you would come and you would shine your face on them, that you'd give them revelation to see, Lord, that you are for them. 
Father, I thank you for your great grace, Lord God, that convicts us of our righteousness. Holy Spirit, I thank you, Lord, that you love us so much, Lord, that you hold us in the palm of your hand, Lord, that you guide us, that you lead us, Lord, that you are for us. Father, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for all that you surround us with. Lord, we give you worship. We bless you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah.